Welcome to Blue Line, the podcast hosted by Blue Line, Canada's only independent national magazine for law enforcement. You've tuned in to hear compelling conversations on hot topics and trends with law enforcement professionals and personalities from across Canada. This episode is brought to you by Patriot One Technologies, whose mission is to deliver innovative threat detection and counterterrorism solutions for safer communities. Patriot One's PatScan multi-sensor covert threat detection platform identifies and reports weapons and threats wherever required, from car park to building approach, from employee and public entryways to inside facilities. Learn more at PatriotOneTech.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Blue Line, the podcast. I'm Renee Franker, the editor of Blue Line magazine. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we have a very special guest joining us from Washington, D.C. to discuss the changing world of security and new trends in threat detection. Martin Cronin is the CEO of Patriot One Technologies, a provider of cognitive microwave radar technology for concealed weapons detection. And he is also our podcast sponsor. Martin is also the regional director for the Canadian Armed Forces Liaison Council and is overall just a passionate ambassador for fusing new technology and public safety. Martin, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So how's DC? Great. Yeah, we're having uh, lots of good meetings here with uh, U.S. congressional leaders and their staff, uh, along with some uh, real sort of first-rate partners. A lot of that is uh, facilitated by Governor Tom Ridge, the uh, former U.S. Homeland uh, Security Secretary, who uh, we, we share an office with Ridge Global here in D.C., and he's just a great uh, advocate for us. So having tremendous meetings, a lot of that has been focused on school safety, which is a really a top-of-mind issue in, uh, in the U.S. in the wake of some awful, tragic events. Right, right. Fascinating. Wow. Okay, so you guys are connected. You're where you need to be. There's uh, there's always lots happening. I, we'll get back to right. some more current news with you guys, but I wanted to dial it back a little bit and talk about, you know, the beginnings, uh, threat detection. How, how does one become an expert in this field? I, I mean, you know, what, what led you here? Well, <laughs> Living in um, in high threat environments, I was uh, with the with the British government for 21 years. Uh, most of that spent in the uh, Middle East and South Asia, where I was involved in uh, counterterrorism and security policy work. So, uh, a very uh, strong attachment to the to the notion of uh, identifying threats and uh, encountering them. I mean, not just for the safety of you know, embassy personnel, but um, but but of of our public and society at large. So, that was my background, and uh, I, since coming out of government, I've uh, built my second career uh, around the security industry. So, um, yeah, many, many years looking at uh, identifying and countering threats to public safety. Awesome, fantastic. And Patriot One Technologies was founded in 2016 with Canadian research partner McMaster University. So tell us a little bit more specifically about Patriot One. Um, you know, what is something our law enforcement listeners will want to know about this company if, if they don't already? Sure. Well, we're, we're a Canadian public company on the uh, Toronto Stock Exchange, and we were set up to um, initially to commercialize some research which had been undertaken at McMaster University, a uh, technology called Cognitive Microwave Radar. This had been funded by uh, Canadian federal government and by NATO under the Science for Peace and Security program. Um, the founders of the company um, spotted that technology and wanted to uh, get it out there to uh, help make people safer. So 
the company was set up to commercialize that. However, what we have been doing since then is building uh, a multi-layered approach to threat detection. We have a number of different sensor technologies which live together on a common platform. It's uh, artificial intelligence driven. And the idea is to really change the nature of um, pub, uh, threat detection for public safety and get away from fixed visible security screening infrastructure and instead uh, get to distributed, low-cost, embedded, smart network sensors so you can identify threats before attacks happen. Because, of course, so much of security is about response and really uh, we, we're about trying to identify the threats ahead of time to, to prevent loss of life. Wow. See, and that's only going to help uh, our listeners in, in law enforcement to increase efficiencies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So you mentioned artificial intelligence, the the AI component to um, what Patriot One offers. You know, uh, that's definitely one of the things that, that makes it stand out to, to me uh, when I've been doing some research. So, so tell me a little bit more about uh, the AI. Yeah, so we we use um, artificial intelligence to process all of the complex data coming off the sensors. A human would never be able to, uh, you know, crunch the data that quickly to to generate alerts in real time. Uh, the other aspect to it is, as I mentioned, we have different types of sensors. We, you know, we have magnetic resonance, we have uh, cognitive microwave radar, we have chemical sensing, we have video object recognition, and so we 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 do what's called uh, sensor data fusion to um, you know, say, well, what, what is this sensor telling me? What is that sensor telling me? In, in much the same way as a human uses multiple senses to make sense of the world around them, uh, that's our approach to, to threat detection. We have different types of sensors generating different types of data, and the AI, the neural network, is what makes sense of it all to, to generate um, meaningful information on what's passing through the field at that, at that moment in time. Um, here in the US, there's been a lot of public debate around the use of AI for security. And you know there are cities like San Francisco who say, well, we don't want facial recognition. It is something that makes people nervous. But you know w- what we have been telling people here in DC is, look, you know, we're not about replacing humans with machines. We're about generating better information for humans to make better decisions. And that, I, love, that I, think is I love the key. that. I love that. Yeah, because that's a, a fear uh, many people have, right? Is the the replacement of of humans and yeah. uh, skilled workers uh, with the the AI components. So I love that. Okay, so so now that brings us to our next question. Uh, in North America, I, I know you guys have been making uh, huge waves. So so tell us where uh, we could actually see um, the Patriot One solution, a, a PAT scan solution in action. So we've been uh, rolling out in a number of locations. Uh, initially, the, these are primarily in, in the US. Um, so we're in um, a casino in Vegas. We're in a couple of universities, uh, a couple of school districts, um, a couple of sports stadiums. You know, we're, it, the, the, the thing about this technology, people, um, you know, when you say you have uh, security screening, people say, oh, you for airports. Well, no, this is really about anywhere where the public gatherer may be at risk of, of acts of violence. And so it's right across the economy. And so our deployments are in a, you know, a number of different environments. We're still at a very early stage of this. These are our, you know, first early adopter installations. We're training the systems, gathering more data. But um, we have a number of development centers, including in Vegas. And that's where we uh, tend to bring people through to be able to see, see the systems in action. Fascinating. Okay. You, you touched on training. Uh, what does training on this platform um, involve for those who deploy it? 
Well, there's a couple of aspects. Um, <clears throat> one is the fact that you know these are smart sensors and they are adapted to to the local environment. And so when we do an installation, we filter out um, you know factors like signal noise or the movement of buildings or you know other factors. These are not you know uh, plug and play systems that just do one one thing. They're smart sensors which can interpret the environment around them. So there's a there's a little bit of um, engineering training on the system. But then we also uh, uh, have an approach that we call people policy platform. You know, people are very important to this. We, we're firm believers that good security is, is about people. And so if you just deploy technology without there being any training, you know, you get very poor adoption and things are not used properly. You know, to, to allow technology to really fulfill its potential, you know, it has to live in an environment of good security protocols, well-trained staff, and you know adaptation to local environment. So, people policy platform is is, uh, is is how we describe that. Well said, people policy platform. I like that. I might use that. <laughs> okay, you're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, I uh, a while ago I was you know looking into lie detection technology, polygraphs and whatnot, um, and ac accuracy was a, a big topic there. So, I'm curious, yep. you know, how accurate is this solution? Would you say? Uh, because I know the data bank is always growing. So, so talk to me yep. about. Yeah, well, that's what we're focused on right now with these initial deployments, getting bigger and bigger data sets. The more data, you know, with AI-based uh, approaches, the more data you have, the more accuracy you can you can generate. We, um, What our system does is puts out what we call a probability assessment. It's, it's generating an alert based on what percentage of data points um, from the uh, coming off the sensors are in common with the classifier for a handgun, a long barrel weapon, uh, an IED, a knife, etc. So it's a it's a probability assessment, and so you know we we generate alerts you know when we're up you know above above ninety percent. Now, if a client says, "Hey, I I want to know anything that could be a threat," you can set the threshold lower. In terms of the overall accuracy, there's a lot of you know quite spurious statistics out there from you know other other companies that are looking at threat detection. You, you you can't actually put a firm metric of accuracy and say, you know, we're 98 or 99 percent accurate because every environment is different. And, you know, this in the real world, there's just such a multitude of objects that until you've seen everything, you can't say really what your accuracy metric is. So what we what we do is we go out and we deploy with clients and demonstrate that it's meeting their requirement, that it's detecting the you know long barrel weapons, it's detecting the handguns, the knives, you know, and so then the art is to eliminate the false positives that that, that come up. So, for example, with our video object recognition, we uh, deployed into um, uh, a school district in West Virginia, and one day we had a very heavy downpour and a lot of umbrellas appeared. And the algorithm hadn't been trained on umbrellas, and so it's saying, hmm, I don't like the look of those. They, they may be a threat. So once we saw that, we can say, okay, let, now let's train the algorithm on umbrellas and tell them, tell the system that's not a threat. So we're continually evolving and adapting. And as I say, the more data we have from real-world environments, the more accurate we become. Wow, I, I love that example. Who knew umbrellas could could cause yeah. problems like that, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Well, Very and that's cool. the thing. You 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 can't anticipate everything in the real world. If you if you spend your life developing in a lab and then think you've you've cracked it, you're you're going to fall over when you get out into the real world. So that's why we're out now. We're deployed. We're gathering more data, constantly refining and constantly evolving. So it's not a 
a static system. It's it, it's 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 learning all the time. You know, we're sort of taking these systems from you know the equivalent of, of being a child through the teenage years, you know, to full maturity. That's a, a kind of analogy we could use. Nice. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that. It's it's very true. It's going to be different uh, down the road from now. So we'll have to keep yes. checking in with you. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So um, continuing along those lines, uh, we are, we're hearing a lot in our industry here in, in law enforcement to, in regards to facial recognition technology, uh, concerns about uh, privacy invasions. So how do you respond to those that are worried about the um, surveillance overload, shall we say? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's it's a really interesting question. You know, the, there is a fine line. I mean, it's really important to have you know a social contract. You know, the public have to you know understand uh, you know what is it they must give up in order to live safer lives. And you know, we we don't want to live in a in a mass surveillance society. At the same time, people want to be safe, and it's it's a real delicate balance. But for our systems, we we don't capture any personal data. We're not storing or transmitting any personal data. We're not generating body images. We're simply looking for the presence of you know inanimate objects that are a threat, and only then do people become of interest. And so that I think is quite a benign approach to surveillance, and one that uh, you know I think you know you know most members of the public could could get behind. They worry about you know capture of personal information, and you know and that's an understandable understandable concern you know but at the same time they do want to be safe and so they have to give something up and i think it, it it's really important for there to be you know an active public discussion you know uh, policymakers law enforcement uh, officers um you know academia industry to say you know where, where does that balance lie what are we what are we comfortable with but i'm pretty confident that we are on the right side of of that line Wow. Yeah, I agree. And it is about having a transparent conversation and uh, uh, even to an extent getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, right, as we continue to evolve and yeah. modernize. So, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the danger otherwise is that, you know, the pendulum swings wildly from no security to too much security, in, mm. you know, in the in the wake of a threat. And, you know, we saw how the world changed after 9-11. And, you know, so often, what we are doing with new security measures is responding to the last attack and so we see that in airport security layering on you know more and more detection measures in response to the last uh, uh, you know attack and so it's really important for there to be an active public debate you know ahead of time to say you know, what what are we comfortable in giving up to be safer and um you know we we sort of really encourage that that uh, that policy discussion Wonderful. Yeah, it's it's a balance act, balancing act for sure. Yeah. So partnerships with law enforcement. I, I'm curious what kind of uh, partnerships you've built. And, um, you know, I, in many ways, this this tech can be viewed as a force multiplier. Uh, so yeah, tell us yeah. some uh, ways Canadian police perhaps have, have utilized the platform or, or leveraged it. Yeah, we, we have tremendous uh, relationships with uh, law enforcement across Canada, across the U.S. and uh, and, and and more broadly, including the UK, a number a number of uh, people within our company uh, uh, come out of policing backgrounds, and so you know we've got a very well established uh, you know network of, of relationships, and you know very often police themselves may not be the the you know the client the the you know the the, the buys and installs systems, but they're the source of advice to people in the community on on how they can protect their premises and how they can protect their patrons. And so um, much as you know, we can be a force, you know, multiplier for for the police in allowing them to 
you know, deploy more efficiently to to prevent attacks. In the same way, uh, they're a force multiplier for us in in you know spreading the word to organisations about how they can you know more effectively protect their their, their their patrons and members of the public. So, relationships with with uh, with police are are really critical to us and. Uh, and we, fortunately, we we have tremendous relationships um, in 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 the whole sector across Canada, US, UK, and elsewhere. Wonderful. Yeah, I love how you mentioned the reciprocity there in those relationships and how that's key. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So you've you've been busy. There's been a number of contracts won over the mm. past year, uh, including the the Canadian Department of National Defense. Defense, yes. amazing. So what's next for you guys? Well, I mean, we're now busy implementing on these on these contracts, and we we have far more uh, demand out there than we can possibly deal with right now. As I, you know, mentioned, we're taking a, a slow and deliberate approach to rolling out to learn the things we need to learn to evolve, adapt, and uh, and continually refine systems. So we're being, you know, quite uh, careful and strategic about um, uh, about these early deployments. Obviously, we were you know, delighted to win the contract with uh, the Canadian Navy, and uh, we'll be busy uh, getting to work on that one. So this is the year really where, you know, as I say, the rubber hits the road. This is where we get out, we install, deploy, and start to fulfill the the, the potential of, of, of the company. So it's a, it's a very exciting time for us. Yeah, 2020 uh, for the books, it sounds like. Mm, that's right. So what is the number one trend then, or concern perhaps, um, that's top of mind for you and, and Patriot One in general? Well, a couple of, I mean, a couple of separate questions there. I mean, for, for us, you know, it's about, you know, getting these systems deployed. You know, people have been waiting patiently and we're getting out and, you know, getting deployments done with them now. Continual improvement of our technologies. There are regulatory aspects to that. So getting, you know, government approvals uh, around, uh, you know, the different types of sensors that we're using um, and identifying other Complementary technologies that can that can can play a, a part in our overall platform-based approach, and then I think more broadly in terms of uh, security trends. Uh, I mean, personally, I've been very concerned for a long time about the threat of uh, biological and chemical weapons, and you know what we're witnessing at the moment with the coronavirus outbreak is just how uh, how that can impact society and and the economy so profoundly. In my Fear has been, you know, terrorist groups, um, you know, harnessing biological agents for, uh, you know, to spread terror and, uh, you know, undermine society and, uh, and 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 the economy. So that's my sort of, you know, top of mind uh, fear in terms of, of security trends. Um, not not to leave you with a message of doom and gloom. <laughs> no, no, but I hear you. It's something we've got to be uh, aware of, especially with, um, you know, the changing nature of cybercrime happening uh, on a daily yeah. basis, uh, yeah. which yeah. is something we touch on in Blue Line quite mm. a bit. Uh, so yeah. with that in mind, uh, you know, the changing world of security. Um, earlier, we talked about the, the gun violence issues that are happening yeah. across the world, but also definitely mm. in the States. Um, we, you know, what message uh, do you want to leave our listeners who are working in law enforcement uh, today with? Well, I think there's a couple. Firstly, you know, thank you to people who are, you know, on the front line, keeping the public safe. I mean, there's, uh, you know, very often it's it's just a barrage of, of criticism. You know, difficult decisions have to be made. You know, coming back to the point about where does the balance lie? And, uh, 
you know, the, the, the public sometimes can take a, you know, rather unsympathetic approach to the difficult decisions that have to be made in law enforcement. But uh, certainly in Patriot One, we, we appreciate the, the, the work that's done by security professionals uh, in Canada, the US, across the world. Um, and secondly, I think, you know, to say you're not in this alone, that there are companies like Patriot One that are bringing forward solutions that can be a force multiplier. Um, and so I, you know, we really encourage the notion of, of partnership you know, between uh, law enforcement, industry, policymakers, academia, to work together to bring forward solutions, and also to to educate the public about, you know, what's what's required to keep them safe. So I think it's you know a message of thank you. You're not alone, and let's let's partner up to to make a difference in public safety. Beautiful. You're not alone. Yeah. It, it, the more information we share, the more uh, silos we tear down. Um, the right. only increased public safety uh, we'll see. Right. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I think, you know, have that debate ahead of time. You know, we need to have the public, uh, you know, uh, have a social contract with the public to say, yes, we are prepared to give these things up in order to live safer lives. You know, we're not going to sort of live in a mass surveillance or, you know, um, fortress like society. But, you know, we're going to give up a, a little bit of, you know, our civil liberties in order to allow, you know, the police and security organizations to keep us safer. Very well said. All right. Well, Martin, if you've caught any of our previous episodes, you know that we end uh, each one with kind of two fun questions to give right. listeners yeah. more yeah. of that inside scoop, right? Yeah. So uh, do humor us. Um, let me uh, start with what is something your Patriot One colleagues might not know about you? <laughs> well, in my career overseas, I sang with a couple of um, uh, blues and rock bands. Um, so I've been known to hit the stage once in a while. My couple of my colleagues know, know this about me. They've shoved me up onto the stage in in a couple of bars to to sing with hands. But uh, so I have a, a bit of a musical uh, musical background that uh, people may not realise. And in fact, I met my wife. My wife is uh, Canadian. We met in Pakistan. She was uh, teaching at the American International School uh, while I was at the uh, British High Commission, uh, and we met in in a band. And uh, then, of course, she snared me and, and dragged me back to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, we might have to do some Googling and, and find a clip of your singing and, and band work. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> if you're really bored. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, last question then, Martin, for that inside look. What's maybe one thing you couldn't live without? Oh, gosh. Well, apart from beer, of course, but um, <laughs> it's, my fa it's my family, you know, my, my, my wife and children. I, I spend a lot of time on the road, constantly out, you know, meeting with partners, clients, government organizations. And so uh, getting home to uh, to be with my family is is really the, you know, the, 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 the real sort of joy of my life. Um, I have two young children, uh, eight and 11. Um, we love to ski in the winter and that's really just my great uh, de-stressor to uh, get out with the family and uh, get out and play in the snow. So yeah, it's it's family. That's the one thing I couldn't live without. Hey, you can't argue with that. And we've got some uh, beautiful white fluffy stuff coming down for you here in Toronto right now. <laughs> there we go. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, you've got to get through the winter and uh, and enjoy it. You can't, you know, hold yourself up at, at home. You've got to get out and play in the snow. I hear you. No, listen to the seasons, right? So it's yep, it change right. is good. Yep, absolutely. Martin, thank you so much for making the time and hanging out on the line with us today. We appreciate it. 
Well, thank you. It's been a, been a real pleasure. I've, I've enjoyed uh, chatting to you. So thank you so much for, for your interest in what we're doing. Thank you. And, and all the best for, uh, you know, the continuing to spread awareness on this tech and engaging more organizations. And thank you for your support of Blue Line magazine. Great. Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, so just a little note to our listeners, make sure to mark your calendars for April 21st. It's Blue Line Expo 2020. And for the first time, we're partnering with the Canadian Tactical Officers Association. All the information is at bluelineexpo.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Blue Line, the podcast. Make sure to check us out on SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us under Annex Business Media Podcasts for Work. Also, check out our podcast tab on blueline.ca. Thank you to everyone listening, especially those out there on the front lines protecting our communities. Stay safe, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Patriot One Technologies, whose mission is to deliver innovative threat detection and counterterrorism solutions for safer communities. Patriot One's PatScan multi-sensor covert threat detection platform identifies and reports weapons and threats wherever required, from car park to building approach from employee and public entryways to inside facilities. Learn more at patriotonetech.com. Thank you for joining Blue Line, the podcast hosted by Blue Line, Canada's only independent national magazine for law enforcement. 